UFOs and flying saucers and ETs In government conspiracies But I've seen none of the above If I did, I think I probably would run a million miles Lose my little mind Hello everybody and welcome along to the final episode of X-Files Talk X-Files The only podcast that finally knows what it must be like to live through J-Swit Jesus. <laughs> okay then. We're starting out with a really good one. Oh god. I'm just gonna go cry in the corner. Is it, it that that's all we need for me on this one, right? It's fine. <laughs> fine, we're all fine. Fine. Everything's fine. The room is on fire. It's fine. It'll be yep. okay. <laughs> it's gonna be over soon. Hush hush. <laughs> <laughs> Hi everybody, um, I'm David Howard and I'm joined uh, by by Avi, Kava and Roy from xviles.news. Hi to all of you. Uh, hi. Hello. <laughs> and uh, so we're here, um, we, we did come back because we felt like we had some more to say about season 11. Shock. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, um, this is, we don't have a new episode to talk about this week. This is kind of us, um, this is our free therapy, I guess, um, talking about <laughs> what we've all just been through with uh, season 11 and, and season 10 before that. And, you know, the intro was kind of a little joke about, you know, something that we've said all along throughout this revival is that we wanted the X-Files to come back so bad all these years, but we weren't specific enough. <laughs> um, the other intro I came up with was something along the lines of, well, now we know why we had to fight the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it wasn't that bad, <laughs> was it? So th- well, that, that, this is exactly where I want to start the conversation is, was it that bad or are we just nitpicking it too much? Um, you know, certain of the episodes um, throughout season 10 and, you know, season 11, I mean, I'll try and keep the focus more on that. Um, like the the robots episode, RM9 or followers, whatever you want to call it. Lots of people really, really hated that episode. I thought it was a fine episode. You know, it was okay. You've got to kind of detach yourself from reality a little bit to enjoy it. But that's the kind of episode that in a 20 episode season you can kind of get away with, you know, a one-off kind of fun kind of episode like that that's kind of detached from everything else. When you only have 10 episodes, I understand why people are a little bit more frustrated. And one of the things that Chris has said about the revival, and we had it, you know, after season 10, was that, well, this show has always ended on cliffhangers, and this is the way we've always done things. We started on a mythology and ended on a mythology and had all these standalones in between. So... Is it fair the way that we've been looking at the show as a revival, um, season 11, I guess, more specifically? You know, have we been judging it too harshly or have we been looking at it the wrong way? Should have we been looking at the revival in a different way than we had? Maybe we would have enjoyed it more? I think, to be honest, there's... At least I would count three problems in whatever's causing that, I guess, sort of opinions. And I, I find it a little bit, I wouldn't say surprising, but I, 
probably misleading that a lot of people, at least whenever they come to us, they say like, oh, you've, you've panned this whole season. And we haven't. Um, we threw out the reviews I, and I went back and read all of my reviews. And yes, there are, there are definitely enough moments where I would criticize something. But people take one criticism and they cling on to that and think, oh, they hated the episode. And, and we never really did. Uh, unless the things that we, we would find certain things that we wouldn't pick at. But the main, I think one of the main driving problems whenever you get that sort of feeling about the revival is that, the, just like you mentioned, is that the bookends are the first thing that you see about the, the season and the last thing that you see about the season. And when you have those two episodes be the most problematic ones of the season, then then kind of like whatever is in between sort of gets bundled by that that type of opinion. So it's kind of like whenever you take a bite of a sandwich where the bread is really bad. No matter whatever it is inside, you know, you're never going to truly get the appreciation of what you really got. Having said that, uh, just like you said, trying to live to to whatever was true to the show in 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 the original years of the show and trying to bring that into whatever the revival became. Um, I think it speaks as to when not not knowing what to pick from from that face of the show and what would work in this new face of the show. I think that is part of the problem whenever it came to the revival that there were certain things that were always going to work. So having Monsters of the Week was always going to work. Having mythology was always going to work. But there are certain things that should have been modified because you're not working on a 20, 25 episodes uh, a season. And definitely that speaks of the inability to adapt to the new times that so many people have talked about throughout this whole new phase of the show is that things need to be reworked to try to figure out how to tell a story now. Uh, and you can say the same thing about uh, how the character of the show, um, it's so close to the reality right now that people oftentimes either felt it too claustrophobic or too too much on on the regular news roll of news that no one would actually find it as an escape from reality um and so on like you you could you could point out to all these mistakes being a compounding situation but at the same time i'm a firm believer that yes the loudest voices are the ones that are crying out this was a piece of crap but in reality I think if you sit down and analyze everything that everyone has said about the revival at least for season 11 there was a lot of good put there it's just you know the the one thing that is the most significant which is the work that comes out of Chris Carter was the one that was bound to be the most criticized because sadly it was as an experiment, it was one that lacked a lot of accuracy and as something that we have to live with now because it, it was part of the mythology, it's kind of disappointing. 
I, yeah, I mean, I, I went through and I rewatched all of them, um, leading up to this podcast, just to refresh my memory on some of the earlier ones. And yeah, I, I think it is really too bad that the, the entire season is sort of tainted by the struggle of the struggles. Um, it, it, it just, because there is so much good in, you know, throughout the rest of the season. And I sort of wonder about those people who, you know, that 3 million chunk that dropped off right after my struggle three and never came back, you know, cause the ratings had dropped from like 6 million to 3 million between those two episodes. And I was even in a conversation with somebody on Twitter about that the other night who told me that she'd watched, um, the premiere, but then did, just didn't come back for the rest of it. And I said, well, you know, if, if, nothing else. I'm like, watch this, give that one a chance because that to me was pretty much everything that I'd wanted from the new season. It was so (laughs) So good good. and they're just in sync and kicking ass and solve the mystery. And there's a little bit of mythology, you know, woven in there too. And I think that's, you know, the the formula that was so successful in the nineties wasn't going to work as well this time around. I don't think just because of the way people expect to see their stories told, you know, they, they sort of expect more of a through line these days, I think. And, and, you know, I know the monsters of the week are always very popular. I know a lot of people who like those better than the myth arc. Um, so that's fine. But I think in this case, you know, you really needed to find a way to weave in that overarching storyline through all of these, because these characters have been, you know, gone from our lives for so long. It felt a little strange to, to just kind of try and pick up where we left them in season seven, arguably, because that was the last time they were investigating these monsters of the week together. Um, and to, to try and fill in the, the blanks of, of where they'd been and how they got back there. And even just leaving off the, well, okay, we know our son's out there, but he'll come find us. So in the meantime, let's just go check out the Sasquatch that's hiding in my backyard while we wait for him, you know? <laughs> wait, what, you know, how does this not, but, you know, in that token, what, there were things that didn't work, but there were also a lot of things that really worked well for me. And I'm after season 10 had left sort of a bad taste in my mouth after all of them, this was just really refreshing. Um, in that there are episodes in season 11, I will watch repeatedly. And it's nice to have those to kind of block out the I feel like this is a better way to end than it would have been had season 10 been it. And we'd just been left standing on that bridge for all eternity, you know? Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's been like 10 minutes since the question, but I think it was, did we criticize <laughs> it too much? <laughs> um, um, I don't think so. Um, the X-Files set really high standards, albeit like many, many years ago. And I don't think I've done anything. I don't think we've done anything except like hold them up to those standards of like, you know, intelligent writings, you know, really interesting, sophisticated characters. Um, And I think we got more of a taste of that in season 11 than we did in season 10. And like I said, this was my favorite. It was like that Glenn Morgan can come back after being, you know, gone for such a, a large chunk of the show and pick back up with these characters and know how they evolved and and how they would interact with each other and do so better than, you know, the creator of the show, like astounded me, but Hey, it was amazing. Um, But, you know, like they said, I do think there have been some struggles and, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, someone who sees the episode, it's hard to like, be like, Oh, well, you know, the rest aren't like that. Don't worry. You know, it, it's, 
you know, the mythology was always this like epic, you know, I, I always loved the episodes like Paperclip and they're like investigating in this tunnel and this mining facility. And, you know, it was like always interesting and always fascinating. And and now I just, I don't want anything to do with the mythology. Um, and, you know, I, I think we've been pretty fair though on the whole, you know, we've given, you know, everyone kind of every chance possible. And I think we, we've shown that there's a lot that we like and that there are unfortunately some some problems still but um you know what are we going to do about it it's over now so (laughs) enjoy the good parts and you know read fanfic for the rest of it (laughs) (laughs) yep (laughs) yeah i mean i I think that you know the way certainly on the podcast the way that we've talked about these episodes was like okay it's a brand new x-files let's just pick it apart like we normally would pick any x-files episode apart like we've done for 202 episodes before this before the re- the revival, so um, you know it, it's easy now that it's all done and dusted to kind of look at things and think, well, yeah, it's only ten episodes long. I can understand why, you know, somebody might have a real problem with one episode. And you know, and talking about episodes as well that we collectively have quite enjoyed, but other people out there have collectively hated. You know, it's mm-hmm. easy to look at the season now and go, okay, well. It was only 10 episodes long. I can see why people would have had a problem with that one. But then, you know, other ones, we, we've had some great episodes in season 11. And my personal favorite is still Nothing Lasts Forever. I think that that sits up mm. there with some of the best episodes from the show, period. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And not to beat a dead horse because, I mean, its body is already filled with bullets and it's on the way to the glue <laughs> factory, but the, the problem with the mythology for me is not even the decisions that were made and the way that things have been um, retconned at all. It's It was more just the storytelling just didn't work. There never seemed, yeah, to, be, there never seemed to be anything sort of driving... Um, Except driving cars. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And I actually went through and I read the episode recaps off your site, which I hadn't done. I just read the interviews and the reviews before. So I loved it when I see that Mulder drives very fast, brought to you by Ford. Uh, Ford, That's a great touch. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, So, I mean, it's, it's just, it seems like sometimes we've lost the way to tell a good story. And... Exiles is at its best when it does tell a good story. You know, the endings were always kind of left open a little bit for interpretation or make of it as you will sort of thing. Um, but it's just the, the way that the stories were told, there wasn't actually a story there. It's just a lot of stuff covering up the fact um, that we didn't really have a story in the mythologies there. And you, you could see where Chris was trying to go with it. And in his, you know, epic conversation with Avi, he had all these ideas and none of it came across. I mean, in all this stuff that's established in my struggle three, there's no, by the time you get to the ending, there's no follow up to any of it. it and mm-hmm. and he, he retconned so much. It just kind of makes you wonder. It's like, well, why, why should I believe any of what you're trying to tell me here? If you've established that none of it matters and you're just going to rearrange it later anyway, you know, I just, I mean, yeah, I think I don't get that. What do you say is very true. Um, also because then at some point it, I mean, everything that he's built throughout the years is it's based on that trust of where you're going with with your story. And even when he had built this gigantic universe within within the show, not only about who was the members of the conspiracy, but also, you know, what 
or where you were going and to try to find the truth, there was always that kind of trust of like, he knows where he's going, he knows where he's going. And when you, when you get to the point where you wreck on yourself, then at least for me, that was kind of that sense of insecurity of not knowing really where we're going that at some point is just discombobulating. And there's also the fact where, and, and even going back to the point where, where all our conversations with Chris go, I remember when we first talked or when we talked right after my struggle too, we got into this discussion where he asked me, well, what do you want me to do? And that's on one hand, incredibly humbling because I'm being asked my opinion of where to go with the show. But he, he pointed out to me that many things that he wanted to do weren't accomplished because of production problems. And while that might be a lot of truth, and, and I know that many things weren't, weren't able to, to be included in a story because people's availability, because there wasn't enough money, because there wasn't enough time, at the end of the day, um, this is not a new problem. This, is a, this, is, this has been the day-to-day for them since the show began and at the and and the gist of it all is that a good story doesn't need gigantic amounts of money the problems that are in the script are not about being able to shoot with a drone or not maybe i will give you the fact that oh you couldn't get robert patrick or you couldn't get the guy that plays Struggle, or you couldn't get this one or the other because they had been they had sadly passed away already. But you know, if someone amateur came to me and said, "Well, I didn't know how to solve it," I would I would go and say, "Okay, fine. You, you know, maybe you like the experience. Maybe you haven't been in this situation before." But this is not the case for Chris Carter. So just like. Roy said, I mean, we're only holding up you up to the things that you taught me to do. So it, that was why it's disappointing because all these problems are about story. They're not about, about execution. Just like you said, it's, it's, it's about being, having economy of the story. It's about knowing what you can execute. It's about having a grand plan when you know that you don't have that many bullets it's 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 something that like i said it's it's knowing what you're doing from the get-go and and knowing that you only will have so many opportunities to do so yeah and i think you know over the years i think the show has been unfairly criticized for the sprawling mythology and people struggling to make sense of it and Yes, it got very dense there, especially towards the end when the super soldiers came about. But it was always... it They, they always figured out a way to make it work without just going for the cheap tricks, which is what I feel like they've done this time around, you know? Um, in the yeah. past, we've had... Something has happened, and that has been the genesis for the story. Like, there's a bomb on the train, or somebody's doing mm -hmm. these experiments with these bees. Um mm -hmm. And, you know, we've had a good story and we've had these mythology characters keep popping up in these places. We had some new information and piece by piece it it added up to something. And once 
you know, I, I can guarantee they didn't know where they were going when they first started out down some of these roads. But, you know, they came back, they made it work. Yeah. And, you know, we went through a phase then where you can see, OK, they know exactly what they are building to at this point. We haven't had any of that. We've had just these shock revelations um, that seem detached from everything else. And it's just kind of been there just to shock the audience without really having a purpose, um, you know, either to do with what's gone before or seemingly to drive us on to anything else. Because my struggle for ended up with basically everybody being killed or, you know, not everyone, no one ever dies on the X-Files possibly coming back if the show does come back in the future. Um, so it, it's frustrating. Yeah, and we're, that's yeah. like... We're not angry, we're just disappointed. Yeah. And yes. I've, I've compared it in the past that writing and producing is a lot like cooking. And what you just said about, you know, creating the mythology, it's a lot like cooking. You keep adding, whenever you're kind of freestyling whatever it is that you're cooking, you keep adding ingredients. And at some point, that thing is going to either be past the point of no return that you really fucked up that recipe, or it's going to be something magnificent. But what's happening right now is that not only did they create all of these characters that they never come back to but them when writing the stuff they just keep writing and they don't live in the show the way that we live in the show that we always end up eating the whole meal we end up, always end up looking at these episodes having knowledge of all this stuff that we know it doesn't settle with us that we know that these characters got forgotten that we know that this stuff got retconned that we know that we built the universe that we're living in based on these logic steps that you took at some point. And by choosing to not live in that universe anymore, it's really discombobulating because I particularly don't know how to live that way. Where you can watch the show and selectively forget something to make the rest of whatever plan you have in your head work because then what makes you any different from people that write fan fiction where they retcon and and where they write the characters completely out of character just to make the story that they want to tell work it's, it makes no, no difference from them and this is not to talk bad about fan fiction writers i I, I find it a good excuse to take your characters or the characters that you love out of that universe and kind of spin a new story on them. But that's the freedom and that's actually the point of writing fan fiction. But when you then have the creator of the show kind of have the same sort of tendency, then it's, I don't know where we're going. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It kind of feels like there's like not a lot of respect for the past. Um, mm -hmm. at least when it comes to like Chris's mythology episodes whereas like I felt like some of the other writers like really did have respect for, for that past not necessarily mm -hmm. like following the mythology line, just like the way things have changed and how they w should stay the same and you know stuff like that and I mean you guys know that especially like Jess and I we love to like pick something apart to the end of time and like we will find a way to make that work you know like you could dive in and you can find all these explanations for why this happened this way you know how they got back from Antarctica you know all of that and like I don't have 
any desire to do that with this mythology at all. Like, I don't, you know, it, like, it, it, I feel like it's treated me poorly. Like, I, why should I give it the respect of being like, oh, well, here's this and this. Oh, it means this. And let, let's take it back to, you know, this in the past. Like, why should I give it that when, like, Chris clearly hasn't, you know? Because, like, yeah. where they went with William, <laughs> that's not where they went. And, you know, you can ask Frank Spoutin is he will tell you what they did back in the day and that's not what any of them had planned and like for him to say oh well this is how I always planned it like that's BS number one number two like you know it just kind of like ruins it to a certain degree like why why should I delve into this universe if you're just gonna like take an eraser to some of it and be like oh well this doesn't matter I mean it does because this is how you've set it up so like it's just you know I just don't want to like bother with that like you know Jess and I are writing a timeline for their you know Mulder and Slade's relationship which is in its very early stages and has <laughs> been for about five years but like you know that I sounds just like their actual relationship <laughs> <laughs> you know I just don't want to like you know it doesn't matter so like you know he doesn't care so why should I you know that's what it feels like it's just been like disappointing with with the way that some of that has gone and yeah, I know it can do. They could do a lot better, you know, because they have. And even some of these episodes this season, they did a lot better. And I, I don't know where the disconnect is because I don't think Chris sees it. Like he, I feel like he thinks he's just misunderstood. And like that's really not what's happened here. We're not misunderstanding. Like it was. There were a lot of poor choices made. And, and to that so, point, it's the problem with that statement that you're saying that he actually. He does believe that he's misunderstood or that we're not dedicating the time that we should apply to his stuff. But th this is the thing. Back in the day, even if m some things went misunderstood about his episodes or where he was going with the show, a lot of people got it. Yeah. And a lot of people were able to make the leaps or to li live with those leaps enough that things made sense, quote-unquote. But at mm -hmm. this point... We're living so much in the undefined ideas that he has that no one can really follow. And that's why whenever we define or whenever we talk about the my struggles and whenever I say that they feel like they have no texture, it's because of that. Because there's lack of description of whatever it is that he is not communicating well enough for us to say, oh, I know what you're talking about. Meanwhile, we don't get, we don't walk away of the other episodes like this or like Ghoulie or like my, even, even Forehead Sweat without having a knowledge of where the writer was trying to get. I mean, if you can watch Forehead Sweat and, and listen to whatever Darren wanted to say and get it when it was so complicated at times. Yeah. And then watch the My Struggles, which stories are somewhat very simple and still not get it then the problem is definitely not in the audience it's not the fans yeah well and he made the i think the excuse too that that he didn't want to go back to the old mythology because of the new fans because it was so convoluted and i'm like but that that's just an excuse because i mean for me personally do a revival do yeah. And I, I jumped in late, like I jumped in season six. So there's, you know, all this myth arc that came before that I had to kind of catch up on and it's doable. You know, you're still going to miss things, but I was able to, to catch up and get fully versed in it. And, you know, those, this show shouldn't have been about those new fans, you know, cause you tell them a good story. You're going to attract them, you know, and they will go back and try and fill in the gaps. Yeah. 
in this case, they're just like, you could drive a tank through those gaps and there just wasn't any point to any of it. And, and we're living in, we're living in the, in the age of people that love been watching things. Mm-hmm. So why think that if you're working for the fans, the new fans won't do their homework. You're aiming for people that have that intellectual level that will be able to get a show that is very cerebral. So why try to subestimate your audience that way? Yeah, the X-Files yeah, I mean, has never treated us that way before. And like, if you look at the statistics, the X-Files always attracted like higher educated people, more advanced degrees. Like, you know, it's it's always been geared towards that. And then to just like pull it back is kind of insulting a little bit. To say they can't, they can't, they won't know. Well, hello, Netflix, Hulu. You know, if you were really dedicated, you could do it in a week without sleeping. So (laughs) back in the day, it was like um, episodes edited into feature length VHS movies. Mm -hmm. That's how you Mm -hmm. caught up on the mythology when you when you weren't there from the very beginning of season one. So and plus, you know, you get residuals if people watch your stuff on Netflix, Chris. So (laughs) might have been something you tied into the marketing, you know. Uh, God bless FX back in the day. That was my uh, that was my, that was my Netflix. <laughs> and like whatever happened to to the super soldiers? And like they're like, oh, well, we're gonna bring in some new stuff. And you know, you know, you because know, you know the mythology has stages. And then they were just like, eh, it's not really important anymore. You know, it's just uh, like you said, we're not angry. We're just disappointed. It's just you know, whenever <laughs> I, I go to think about this stuff, there's just like you know, like why even. There's no point. <laughs> and like to to add, I mean, yeah, the disappointment, but it's also a thing where like, and I get into these conversations because like some of you guys know, whoever is listening right now, that I work for Frank Spotnets. And it's so hard to to not get into these conversations where I know that he's been involved in the show for so long and he wasn't part of the arrival. But and 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 he of course has a relationship of working years and years with Chris. And and every time that I would complain about something and say that I was mad about something, he would just say, well, just know that he is really coming out of the best place that he can find to try to tell these stories. And I truly do believe that. I don't believe that there's any kind of pleasure, pleasurable malice. Malice. Yeah, about that, about his intentions. I... I truly do believe that there are ideas that none of us could have come up with that Chris has had about the X-Files. And I truly do believe that he has a, a huge legacy to live up to. But at the same time, this is what happens when you kind of, like we said, we, you raised an audience to, to be smart. You raised an audience that has learn your ways that knows where you're going that knows what you can do that not only does that but you've actually raised that audience to be storytellers themselves and regardless of you trying to get rid of your own ego and the ways that you would do a show this is kind of the moment whenever you get into your in your family where you see your father or your mom and you're like oh you're not always right anymore that's that's the this moment for me that I see Chris and I see that he has so much value to the stories that he wants to tell, but maybe now the conversation needs to be on the same level. We're not, we, we shouldn't be always 
expecting to be fed, but the conversation needs to be bi-directional. And that's not what's happening right now because as much criticism that people gave to his, to his episodes, he stuck to his guns and didn't address those criticisms. And that's how we ended up where we are right now. <sighs> so I want to bring this back to more of a positive note. Um, because we, you know, we talked about each of these episodes in depth um, over the last few episodes of the podcast. So we have some listener questions um, that we're going to get to. But first of all, I want to just ask everybody, what is your favorite thing that has come out of the revival in season 11 specifically? We've talked a lot about, you know, some of the storytelling mistakes and frustrations. But what's the what's something that you've really loved or that you appreciate uh, having gone through this <laughs> inside the show or, or outside the show inside the I've show um, but let's talk outside as well <laughs> i've got one go for it um for me my favorite episode was ghoulie um it was just so well done and creepy and just heartbreaking performances all around and i actually i liked that part of what they did with william i really did um especially because it seemed like he was just kind of you know, that connection was there and he was just sort of coming into his powers. And I, I, I really felt like then he wasn't trying to hurt those girls. It just got out of control because he wasn't able to control what he was doing yet. Like it was just kind of um, coming into his own there. Um, and yeah, so like I, I liked the way that they, they'd started that. It feels a little funny to me now just because of how it ended. But I thought, especially when we were sitting right in it, it was like, holy crap. And then it just showed the potential of being able to combine both of those, you know, the myth arc, you've got the monster. Um, it was, it was really good. And I, I liked the track that they were um, establishing there. And it ended on this kind of hopeful note for Mulder and Scully too, that even though they weren't together and, you know, their kids off trying to figure out his own stuff, um, they knew he was okay. They knew he was out there and, and there was this, this hope for a connection again. Um, it, and after so many years of wondering where he was and, and how that character was going to come to be, um, I really liked how they'd addressed it in, in that episode. Um, and then my other two favorites were this and nothing lasts forever um, because of the, that final scene, the moments in the church, that to me is where I'm going to end the series. I, I had some issues with the way it really ended, but to me that final conversation was so important because for all that they had been through through the years and all the hurt and everything else, they finally, it felt like they were able to resolve it and it ended on a hopeful note. You know, you look at the last series finale, you know, they're, they're ending together and there's uncertainty, but maybe there's hope, right? And, and so to get that again in the end, that after everything that they've been through, they decided to take this leap of faith forward together. They're both committing to each other. Um, and they finally processed some of that hurt was just so beautiful to me. And even if, you know, they're not going to get that chance to go out maybe and, and, and slay the dragon, whatever it is, whatever they're facing, they're going to face it together. And, and that's the hopeful note I would have liked the, the series to have ended on. So that for me is, is where it's going to stay. And I'm just grateful that, you know, we finally got to see them having a conversation too, and really reinforcing that they're going to do this together um so that's that's the big moment i think for me and there was a lot of things i enjoyed about the season um but that i think is the one that i'm i'm most grateful for 
Mine is like basically the same thing. So I don't want to like <laughs> repeat what you said, but like, especially coming back, um, you know, I obviously like wasn't in it for the mythology, um, but like Mulder and Scully and their relationship has always been this like big mystery, obviously during the show, like they, they were going to drag it out and like, you know, they were never really saying what they were saying and, you know, to have them come out and like be straightforward about things is just so refreshing and like seeing them, you know, interact on like more personal issues, like you, you were constantly deprived of that in the original and, you know, like Scully's cancer goes away. You don't see her telling Mulder, you know. Scully has William. You don't see him go in and see them. You know, having them have those, like, moments where you get an insight into what's going on in their head, which you just never do before. Like, I always found that fascinating. And that's usually what, like, people go to fanfic for. Like, what happened here? What were they thinking? Like, you know, and to have that, like, on the screen and just, like, beautifully done in just, like, a couple, like, really special moments, like, scattered throughout the season. Like, that was, like, worth it for me. Um, so, you know, that's, like, you know... It was just great. I love those parts. So it's it's not all, you know, mayhem. <laughs> um, you know. So. And to um, see that more mature version of them, I think too, especially because Mulder really felt like he'd grown into his own this season, you know, to see him I guess sort of satisfied with life in a way, almost it, it felt like that he was he was comfortable and, and was just doing his thing and you see Scully being you know, still skeptical, but also a little bit more open and willing to talk about the things that were bothering her more so than I think we ever saw. Um, and and for somebody, you know, who grew up with these characters, I've reached the point where I'm older now than they were in those early seasons, which is kind of hard to, to wrap my brain around. So to get one more chance to look at them, you know, as older, wiser and, and still older than me, you know, and, and seeing how they're moving through that and dealing with those changes is, is just kind of a, a gift. So I'm, I'm really glad we, we got that. So now I've, I've got a few more years before I catch up to them age-wise again. <laughs> I don't, I think Skelly was like, what, 28 when the show started? So I've got like another year before I have to start worrying about that. Oh, get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> I think... In the baby file, I'm not anymore by like 15 years at least. (laughs) I think of all the things that not only season 10 but season 11 brought. um, Inside of the show, I feel like there were certainly great episodes. Like the girl said, this is one of my favorite ones. And I think of I've grown to appreciate Darren Morgan's episode from this season more than I did when I first watched it. Um, I appreciate that we got even things that, you know, in the past we didn't quite get to have, like a back a little bit more of a backstory for Skinner and 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 not shying away in almost a Puritan w- way from topics that are uncomfortable. So even when we know that, you know, those were just morsels of having Scully and, and Mulder in bed having a conversation, of having that honest conversation, nothing lasts forever, and all that stuff. I think those were moments where, despite of all the complaints, are very valid and are great because we're, we're living in the freedom of being able to talk about things. Um, and and I agree to everything that the girls have said. I also 
kind of appreciate that they made an effort to try to be a little bit more, how would you say this, um, I guess innovative, even whenever it probably wasn't all planned to have things like the Ghoulie blog. I think that was really interesting that incorporates things that are adapted to how people watch TV these days because they would like to do a lot more research. Um, and, and, and so I think that that was important in terms of production and in terms of, of the world outside of the show. The one thing I actually liked and in the same vein of not having to have so much censorship into whatever the show was talking about, but also the fact that Jillian found, found it timely and found that she couldn't shut up about something that was irking her about the way that the show was being run. I think that took a lot of guts because it's really uncomfortable to point out such a such a situation whenever you're inside of the of of that world and coming out and and criticizing it for something that is completely valid i think that took a lot of bravery and i celebrate it i i celebrate the fact that we got to have more female involvement in this in this show and having been behind the scenes in the way that we were on set and that we know so much people behind the scenes it's not like the show doesn't have plenty of female force behind it there's definitely plenty of people that work behind the camera that are women but whenever you have built a show where the the female counterpart of 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 the couple is so powerful and it speaks to so many people and according to the study it's 63% of all you know scientists over 30 are have been influenced by Dana Scully I thought that was incredible and then in terms of the fandom and this is a little bit of a reflection in terms of how our own role as XFN um, has been throughout the years there was always a, a heavy, you know, sense of involvement by everyone, and there were several sites. And at some point, we as XFN landed in the position where we were kind of alone in the way that we were kind of like the only website that was formally taken onto things because people have moved on, and that was completely expected. But we kept going because we we're insane, and then, <laughs> you know. But then whatever happened with the revival is that all these people that were really excited about it then started to organize themselves into having other views. And we, we, I particularly love that, that mm-hmm. we, didn't, we didn't have to be the sole source of everything anymore, that we had more podcasts, that we had more fan art, that we had more fanfic, that we had all the myriad of fan production that we got out of this. And if there's anything that the revival would leave is that it's sparked the fire on the, all these people that not only retook their old, if you were an old fan, they retook their old work and, and, and look through it and started to work again, or you're a new fan. And then all of a sudden you found that you want to tell these stories on your own or other people that got inspired by wanting to be 
filmmakers or scientists or whatever. And I think that's all super valid and made it completely worth, you know? The thing that I think I'm most appreciate from the revival is that we've had a couple, you know, we've, we've had some good episodes, but there's only like two or three that I think, you know, are really kind of like classic X-Files episodes, you know, and they've been written by people who are new to the show. Um, familiar, mm -hmm. it, you know, it has, it's not a perfect episode, but it's, it's a great classic kind of exile, which could sit alongside you know, numerous of the classic episodes from the show and Nothing Lasts Forever. I absolutely love that episode. That's my favourite. And the scene at the church at the end, I think that scene alone just justifies the revival. There's been a yeah. lot of shit. And I, and I disagree with you, Avi, on Forehead Sweat. I s still can't <laughs> stand that episode. <laughs> I, 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 loved, I love Kid Mulder on the couch, but otherwise... Um, Darren Morgan, that was a, a serious misfire, which I did not expect from you. Um, but yeah, it's that scene at the end of Nothing Lasts Forever that just justifies everything else for me. It was perfect. Granted, but like my forehead sweat, and this is not to get in a huge discussion about that episode, but I think forehead sweat has, uh, has things that I actually don't like because I even wrote in my review that I feel in some ways to go unguarded stab at the fandom because mm -hmm. I, I thought Reggie was being portrayed as a fandom that keeps questioning and keeps trying to be included in the story at some point, in some way. But at the same time, it it played with the ridiculousness that we're stayed, stationed right now that we no longer know what the truth is anymore. And being in a world where I'm constantly trying to figure out what the truth is about my own country, about this country, what whoever is actually the good guy. Uh, that was the one episode where I actually went like, you know what? Uh, it might sound like a circle jerk and kind of like a vicious one at that. But I actually get where you're going with it. But, you know, I could have lived without the, a little bit of patronizing yeah i i think if they hadn't made it so obvious and it's about trump if they had oh, just yeah. made it about you know that there are multiple truths these days mm -hmm. i think it would have been a much stronger episode and i think yeah because he had to throw that in there i, I think it just weakened what the episode was and it yeah it, it, yeah We've talked about it. Totally yeah. <laughs> we have a whole podcast mm. on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, let's move on to some of the listener questions that we've had coming in. Um, we asked last week for you guys to uh, tweet um, X-Files News with some questions for us. Um, I think most of the questions are actually about season 11, but you could have asked us about anything. Um, so, Avi, Kava, do you have some of these questions pulled up there? We can maybe go through a few of these. I know there was a lot, mm -hmm. so we won't do all of them. I have. Um, so, the first one is from Animin. Um, Animin MD. So, she's asking, well, what was it about? What was it all about this guy? They never told us. They just used it in all episodes. And she's talking about the kind of like that dream guy this drawing. Fan. Yeah, this fan. Uh, that you would see 
in yeah, I think it's in every episode. Um, I believe that the story that I heard about it, and I might just be adding to like the confusion of it all. This was this came from Glenn Morgan, uh, and he wanted to include that kind of Easter egg throughout, and more of a question of like what the conversation is about what is the truth because everyone keeps talking about you know um i know this is the truth i know i've seen this guy i've this at this guy i saw in my dreams this guy i saw on the street or something like along those lines so it's kind of a nod towards that um whether that's a satisfying answer to that or not (laughs) still on the fence but it's a way yeah, for chris to the... retcon everything in season 12 yeah yeah right because mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was proven people were like oh well we've all had the dream out of this guy. it was proven not to be you know he's a basically nondescript white dude you know it's it's never had any conclusive evidence yeah. behind it yeah so, i mean it was kind of a disappointing easter egg i think it well, was like there and then it was really nothing like mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of whatever. I don't consider yeah. it important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then the next question from also from Animan is, when do you think Scully realized that she was pregnant again? Well, that's um, been, like, colored by what we know of, like, the script, basically. Yeah. And... <sighs> I mean, yeah. supposedly, if we are to do the work just like Chris wanted for us to interpret his episode... She knew before going into my struggle four, and the confirmation is whenever she is in front of the mirror. But in reality, in logic, I wouldn't know how to answer that one, guys. So, just to keep it from like marring my uh, enjoyment of nothing lasts forever, I'm saying she didn't know there either. Like yeah, that that's not yeah. what she was it, she was wrestling with in the church. It was it entirely like unrelated to that. Well, the yeah. thing yeah. the thing of it is is because they flipped those last two episodes before my struggle for. So right. I think the intention probably was it's that bit in familiar where she looks really exasperated and she realizes she's going to have Mr. Chuckle Teeth on TV for the next five <laughs> years. <laughs> oh God. But they flip the episodes, and so that's why we have to say it's the beginning of my struggle for. That's great. <laughs> I, I will now have nightmares about that, and not only chuckle people. Well, whatever. You, you, you know, Skelly's gonna have like baby number two watching some like advanced physics programs or something oh, like God. that. So I bought my uh, good friend a string theory for babies book. So <laughs> you know, there's gonna be stuff like that. Yeah. In the house. Uh, next one. Do you think Agent Reyes is dead or Skinner? I can deal with their loss, and how can they die in the same minute? So, um, just let them go. Actually, let them let them be at peace. So there's there's this thing where I actually got into this conversation quite a lot this week, where the Skinner death is not as significant as killing. Reyes and here's the reason so one of the things that Chris actually leans a lot in is that part of Monica's redemption is is that conversation in the park that supposedly they had but it turns out that this is part of Scully's vision that he sort of retcons not quite 
that is supposed to be part of the future. But then he went and killed her before that conversation happened. So then if that's the case, you either, you have two, two, two choices. Either you are completely full of shit on this one and you really screwed up the timeline or then that conversation happened before my struggle for and we're supposed to assume that that's the case and that's why she even took that phone call with her or really I mean we are supposed to then kind of understand that Skull's divisions are not quite exact and she built this kind of like convention in her head to try to figure out how she knows this from Monica and even so if that's the case if there's no actual look into a vision in the future then how come she got she's got some kind of conscious link between her and Monica to be able to know her thoughts because we can explain that between William and her but there's absolutely no reason as to why explain explain and there's that kind of nature of connection between Monica and her so what is skinny yeah, in my struggle too in my struggle too yeah um yeah. at the beginning uh, i think not, what he's trying not to, a lot yeah um but that but that's the thing it but the the, the thing with skinner is that, that for that plot of my struggle too you don't and and then the decisions that lead up to scully knowing what's gonna happen it with the virus and everything else that leads her to develop the vaccine skinner has nothing significant in that plot to to lose if he died but for monica there's plenty and it creates a huge problem as for us believing that they're dead or not by what happened in the episode in talking with Chris, he, of course, said that no one really dies on the X-Files, so they might as well just be alive and kicking if the show comes back. Um, I know from production that there were more blatant shots in the case of Monica that really were to sustain that she would have been dead in the episode, uh, but then they chose the ones that kind of maybe put it in doubt so there's still a chance to retconning that one as well it's, the, it's like one of those things that's just not worth even thinking about because there's no like there's nothing behind it to like there's not a real answer and it's uh, it, it just like hurts to think about like my brain hurts and it's on right. fire like right. Skelly it's on fire Ted Cannon tells me they're both still alive. It's yeah, fine. like yeah. I'm not going to worry about it because that's yeah. that's that's the thing. I mean, we're probably never going to know. So to yeah. me, they they both recover and yeah, <laughs> okay. And Monica's there to sing whale song to baby 2.0. Yeah. yeah. Next question: Do we know who actually wrote the non-user submitted post on Gooley.net, especially the ad weaver posts? Like, were they written by writers in the show? Are they considered back canon backstory since some posts were featured on the show? So we actually know this. Uh, the writer of this uh, these posts is Julie Ng, 
who's um, the person that has been creating all the documentaries for behind the scenes. And you know that she's been featured in like one of the headstones and this, and she's a really good friend of ours. And yeah, she wrote all those. They are considered canon. Um, she's super busy finishing right now on the, the stuff for the DVD. She's and, been like super busy for about two yeah. years now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's so super dedicated and as you can see, they're like really, she's really great writer and I, I mean, she's got so many stories that are super interesting about producing in the show. Um, and I'm sure that she would like to tell her story about working in this vlog, especially because it's such an important part of, of you know our story as a fandom where so many things we imagine about William and she actually got the chance of doing this stuff so you know I hope that at some point she actually gets a little bit more free time and uh, very well to self vacation and come back and tell us about it but yeah that's the answer to that one um do you think Mulder and Scully are living together in My Struggle 4. I know Cece said she spent most of the season in that large smart house. Well, it got blown up, so she's not yeah. living there anymore. Yeah. My head kind of says that by My Struggle 4, they were living together. Yeah. I Same. mean, she she said it at the end of Nothing Else Forever. Like, we should do it together. Be like, JK, just going back to my place, Mulder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, now that we've seen the final episode, what do you think Scully whispered to Mulder in Nothing Lasts Forever? Um, (laughs) uh, I've already told you what I think. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I personally think that they were just, that her proposition was to like love together, just like you said, and like to like go at it together and, and, and finally, you know, set up a life and, and, and make up a plan of a life together. Um, I do not believe that she was telling him to let's go have a kid. No. Um, and, and it's also a thing where, like, even talking to Chris, whenever he even chose to put that thing, that plot device, and now in the story of Scully, even he claims that this whole thing was a surprise. That it's not like they were looking to get pregnant. So. They're then, not delusional. Right. <laughs> that. But. So there's there's a little bit of rationality to that. So. You know. That's what I think. I, I mean. At this point. That's the least. Of the. Of the. Things together. I think. What's important about that scene is that. Not only do they claim that. For them, the, the most important thing in the world is each other. But also, it is it is the fact that they feel so much confidence about each other that whatever they need to do is to actually claim that devotion to each other and that they would, that that's all they need. That's all they are, have chosen to believe from now on and that it's taken them forever to get there and they recognize that that's actually something that they worked out together. So, you know, that uh, the whisper at the end of the, the day, it's sort of irrelevant to be quite Yeah, it, it's in that same vein. I, I haven't really given it like a specific 
like line or you know dialogue like i feel like you kind of get what it is you know so then tinamari asks why why does scully's brother bill hate Mulder yet her mother loves him um aside from the fact that we were all like to say that bill's just a tick mm-hmm. <laughs> um, i think there's also the part where and i can come at this looking like from the point the standpoint that i have two brothers um if at any point any of my brothers would look at me and regardless of how much i love a guy they've seen that guy cost me pain in some kind of way from their perspective they will always hate him and it will be irrational and i can actually totally make peace with that character choice that he's stubborn that he's this military guy that he has a way about him that he feels like men have to be strong and mean and men need to be manly and men need to be all this stuff that their sort of traditional constructs of what you should be meanwhile Mulder is none of that not to say that Mulder is not also a very guys guy but on the same way he's more intellectual he's less involved in to you know kind of like very black and white things that bill may be prone to go to so i can see where they would never actually see eye to eye while her mother it's seen all the things from a feminine perspective where she's seen through the bullshit of all the suffering that you know being part of that quote unquote relationship has brought scully so plus like she bill wasn't there when scully was in the hospital in like one breath you yeah. know Mulder mm-hmm. was and you know he was there with maggie and melissa and mm-hmm. you know bill has this like outsider's perspective whereas like you know maggie has a better understanding of that relationship and and plus he all he, he just like uh, disapproves of anything that's like slightly different you know scully goes off and does her own you know, she doesn't become a doctor, you know, he, he probably thinks she's like wasted her life with the FBI. And, you know, like anything that's different, you know, Maggie sees Scully's choices as, you know, her own choices that she wanted to make. And, and Bill just thinks like Scully's made mistakes here or there. And, you know, she should never have done this. And, you know, that's just how he is. So, mm-hmm. yes, um, this was from Anne, who's Pioneer J33. Oh, it's Jane. Um, Sorry, I screwed up the name. It's Jane. Oh, okay. I'm Jane sorry. 20. That would have made more sense. Um, yeah. Why didn't William blow up Cancer Man like the others? And does Mulder believe William's dead? Scully, uh, he's our son. He knows from previous experience that gunshots don't kill him. Scully knows he's alive. She's letting him go. Um, and then oh, she also talks about um, William's trying to speak to her. Um, but um, William asks Mulder why he doesn't get the, the visions. It's kind of a jumble, but like, um, I thought it was, I was thinking about, you know, why Scully gets, you know, the visions and, you know, Mulder doesn't, and you could be like, oh, well, CSM is the father, but, you know, we know that's not what they did in season seven and eight, so I'll just leave that there. Um, on top of that, I think if you go back to Founder's Mutation, and you, um, I forget her name, but, you know, the mother that, like, physically cut her, her son out of, you know, her, mm-hmm. her uterus, um, you know, she says she knew, like, that she had to do that. Like, it wasn't just that he can, like, project that noise. Like, you know, William can project his, you know, whatever onto everyone. Mm-hmm. 
but like that's she knew that's what needed to be done and so my theory is that it's some type of like maternal connection only that you get in utero because all these other think about all these other like special children that they've been making in test tubes or whatever you don't hear about them having visions with their mother like emily or, or whatever like that i mean that's obviously decades back but um i think it's possible that there's some type of connection formed in utero because there's you know well, I, I won't go into the science because there's no point in trying it, but um, I think it's wrong to, like, discount, oh, well, why doesn't Mulder get them? You know, it might just be something that happens with the mother. Good answer. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll take the next one that comes from Malenka, and I'm actually going to combine it with Robin Walsh's. So, Lenka asks uh, that if we can say more about um, about David and Jillian wondering why Scully didn't go with Mulder after William, uh, if there's more behind the scenes moments on set that we can share, and if we and Robin says or asks if we got to talk to them during our visit. So the easy one is like that we talked to David and Jillian. Yeah, we did briefly. Um, at some point, and this is like ridiculously funny, but I come from <laughs> Venezuela, so like whenever people ask me where I'm from, it's a loaded question <laughs> because I personally don't know anymore where I'm from. But I took a second to answer that, and she was like, "Oh wow, you're that confused." Um, and yeah, I was that confused, um, but. Really, honestly, we were there as guests from from Chris. So we got to hang all day with Chris. And he showed us around the Unremarkable House and a little bit of the set of Tad O'Malley's show. And we ate lunch with the crew. It was Taco Tuesday. So they were, like, having this burp competition on set <laughs> um and uh, but they had really nice sandwiches that was actually really yummy and they had like they were so accommodating and so gracious and mm -hmm. they were great um we had a lot of fun on set um at some point I got asked if I was gonna give Chris notes and I should have I laughed <laughs> and I said well you know yeah if I really were to do that, I don't think I will be welcome on set for a while. And they laughed. Um, Plus, it would have taken a while. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, we didn't have that much time. <laughs> yeah, no. And we, like, what, what, you know, Chris has said on the interviews is true. They weren't completely distributing the script for everyone at all times. So everyone on set had different degrees of information in between and and that i that's to explain a little bit of this question as to like you know wonder why scully didn't go with Mulder after william and all that stuff um at this point this is like day three of the shoot or day four of the shoot mm -hmm. um so as chris has said on the interviews um there were parts of the story that Jillian just didn't know. Um, but that's as much as we actually can share because we actually did sign an NDA. <laughs> um, I think 
Yeah. Can I just chime in with a little bit? I will say, because I don't think this is giving anything away. It just, for me, as somebody who, I mean, Avi works in the film industry, so she's used to this. But for me, just sort of the magic of seeing um, Jillian and David become Scully and Mulder. And, you know, they're rolling and they're in it. And then they all cut and they're back to being, you know, themselves as people and not the characters. Just the difference between that to me was sort of fascinating to, to be able to see them just kind of turn it on and off was was really cool and it was just you know as somebody who'd been on you know like a student film set once in in my life to actually be there to see this I mean it, this the 17 year old kid in me was just freaking out it was it was really cool and, and just really grateful that we got the got the experience so yeah I wish and, we could say a little more but uh, yeah <laughs> I mean I can, we can tell you this crew it, it was amazing I mm -hmm. mean they're so dedicated and hardworking, and they were there giving it all and you know you can tell that they're so super dedicated another thing that that happened that we can share is that and I think I wrote about it on my on my review is that um well we're in between takes and Jillian is that scene where Jillian is like racing down the stairs to get to the phone. Um, there was this one light uh, drilled on the fake ceiling of the of the set, and she ran up and down the stairs so many times that the the light came loose and came crashing down right on the spot that she was supposed to to step into. She wasn't there at the time when she was about to go into the take, so she made this one joke about how someone somewhere was like, damn, missed her, kind of a thing. Um, and I thought that was hilarious. Um, but yeah, I mean, everyone was just great on our visit. And I if I doubt that she's going to listen to this, but Christina, who's Chris's assistant, it's one of the best people that we met that day. Mm -hmm. And and really, they just made everything a great experience. And just Chris overall, he was so very generous with all the information that he was sharing with us and how getting us involved and in the choices that he was making and asking us questions about what was going on and, and, and having conversations that were really involved in the story. So, so yeah, I could never... I can never even criticize that about him. He's He was just a delight to be on set. And if anyone wonders what it is to be on set, whatever Chris Carter is directing, he and me having worked in the business for now, holy crap, 18 years. Um, he is a very kind director, just like everyone has said on Twitter and in interviews. He's very nice and and pleasant and and different from other directors that probably expressed their passion into kind of being a lot more aggressive or a lot more stressed out about things that's not a thing that you would get with Chris Carter as a director um so yeah in the general rest, Chris Carter yeah. is like disarming and very charming and like you go up and you're like god damn it he's ruined my life and then he's like i like your x-files t-shirt you're like thank you <laughs> <laughs> pretty much so. that, that's yeah. about it yeah how about we do uh, one more of these questions yeah okay um i will i will throw this one out there this is from emily boylan uh she says i would be curious to know if you could each pick an alternate place or episode to end the x-files rather than the end of my struggle for what would you pick <sighs> 
I was hoping you weren't going to pick this question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did give this one a little bit of thought earlier, and there's no good place, there's no good answer to this question, so far as I can tell. Um, if I had to... Yeah, I mean... There's, there's no good place. Uh, the answer that I came up with would be uh, Je Suet, because it is the final standalone before Mulder gets abducted and the whole William storyline starts um, with Scully announcing that she's pregnant at the end of Requiem. Um, but you miss out on so much good stuff in the last two seasons. Um, the mythology goes downhill from there very sharply, uh, but there is so much other good stuff. You miss Doggett, you miss Reyes... Um, you miss I Want to Believe and, you know, a couple of the great episodes from the revival, but I don't, I don't know. Um, there's so many possible answers to this that you could give, but it depends what you, why you want to end the show. Do you want to lose some of the stuff that you didn't like that happens later on? Or do you want to just it to be a, an episode that could end on a really good note? I mean, we could all here say... Let's just end it with nothing lasts forever, because that is such a great ending to that episode for the Mulder Scully relationship. And my struggle for really doesn't add that much, so it, you know, it's a hard one to to answer. Does anybody have an answer for this? Not a good one. <laughs> I sort of wrestle with this, right? Because, like you said, it depends on what you want to erase, and so I kind of have two. I mean, I, I I talked about nothing lasts forever earlier, and that's that's for me. That's kind of kind of where it ends. But if I had to go back, honestly, I think I would pick the end of existence, where it's Mulder and Scully and their baby, and that, you know, Mulder lost his sister. He lost his family. His family fell apart after that. So, you know, maybe for him, finding that truth was recreating a family of his own you know he's there and and he and scully are together and it's just this absolutely beautiful moment and yeah. kind of tying it back into what frank says about you know hopefully you you know you can't find the truth but you can find love and and that's what he found and and it doesn't i mean it, it doesn't put a nice it doesn't wrap up any of the of the bigger problems that plague them you know like the aliens are still coming and there's still these super soldiers and whatever but you sort of feel like at least they can face that together as a as a as a family, and I'm willing to overlook all those other bigger mysteries that are looming if they've at least kind of got that happy ending. I think so, you know. And and that's was sort of my my problem with kind of trying to recreate that in in my struggle for it's like, well, you already mm. did that once and sort of jerked it out from underneath them. So I yeah, I don't know. I I think to me that's probably where I would have I would have let it go and then maybe come back in you know five six seven years and and have them do this big alien myth arc movie where the aliens are invading and how, how do they fight them off and and something like that but yeah i don't know i i kind of like that final happy image in my head so maybe that's where i'll leave it <laughs> yeah I, I i agree with both of you in a way in the sense of nothing lasts forever being kind of like so complete in some ways as, but the question does give me a chance of thinking of an alternative place just like you proposed, Kiva. I would just, to be honest, I I would take the same concept of whatever Chris wanted to do with my struggle for and just rewrite it to be actually something that explained what he wanted to explain. And if that's, the, if that's how 
you get to end the show, then that's how you get to end the show, but make it consistent to Scully knowing that, you know, she would never dismiss William the way that she did. They can still let go of him and he can still go on his own way and um, moving on with their own life. But it would just make it properly executed and that's it, to be quite honest. I still find my struggle for, um, I'm sorry, nothing lasts forever, the true last moment I saw Mulder and Scully. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, But yeah, that's my idea. And I think yeah. this is all kind of assuming that all of us are assuming that this is it, that there isn't going to be a season 12, because I know that's still up in the air and there are some people that are, are for that. I, you know, for me personally, I'm, I'm kind of done. And if Scully is done, I'm, that's, that's it for me. Mm-hmm. And the numbers kind of agree with us, I think, as far as, you know, when you look at ratings and, and things like that. So I, I guess for me, I'm just taking that is the end and, and we'll see what happens going forward. Yeah. But Yeah, I mean... We can talk a little bit about that. Um, what do you think the future is going to be? Um, you just said that you don't think there is going to be one. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, as a TV show, it doesn't make sense in the near future. Um, you know, with all of the turmoil that's going on with Fox being bought by Disney or possibly somebody else or whatever happens with that, with Gillian saying she's not interested in coming back, with the ratings you know, and to resurrect the show with those ratings and know that one of the leads is not going to be in it, it, it seems pretty impossible at this point, but... Fox has said they, they wouldn't do it without her. Like, Chris goes on like, oh, there's all these possibilities, but I think Fox has already come out and be like, we wouldn't want to do it without both David and Jillian, so... It is a thing where also, I mean, yeah, you can make the argument that you can tell a story without Jillian just as well as you kind of told the story without without David but I think in practicalities Fox is looking at the point where Jillian is a lot of the driving force of the half or more of the audience that watches the show which are the women and if Jillian leaves there's gonna be a big hit in numbers because of that yeah you're Um, gonna lose at least half of that audience I mean I, I you know, I watched the show because, like, I love Scully. I grew up loving You know, like, it's... Like, why would I want to watch, like, Mulder dick around in the woods looking for Sasquatch, like, with William popping up every now and then to have some type of psychiatric episode? Like, it sounds not inviting as a show. <laughs> and it, it... And last time, I mean, you at least you had Doggett and, and Reyes to follow along with, you know, mm-hmm. so there was a wider ensemble there. I mean, now you just don't have any of that. And it's... And it really didn't work without David either. I mean, that's to be yeah. fair. I mean, I love Doggett and Reyes, but the heart of that show was Mulder and Scully. And without either of them, it just, it struggled. And I don't know. I just, I, I, just I feel kept like. kept on struggling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there's, Chris has talked about there being like so many possibilities with the X-Files universe. And I think if you look at all of those possibilities, like none of them are realistic. So you have like William and his like, I don't know, potential band of super soldier children floating around. I mean, no offense, no one's going to watch that because you're going to lose even more viewers from what you have for the X-Files already if it was just like William with occasional appearances by whoever. Um, I also think that Miles wasn't like a, a great actor, honestly. Like he didn't do a lot for me in this. He didn't really sell it for me. So I don't think that's likely. There's like a prequel option. But I mean, with 
the just like dumpster fire of a like mythology going on like how you're gonna go back and do bet it's just that's not gonna happen either and yeah i just don't see where we could possibly go i mean it's it's, it's just downhill from here so <laughs> you know just like you know Mulder said to scully at the end of I'm like there has to be an end Scully and like yeah this should be it because this is the end for Scully so you know let's just leave it <laughs> let's not make it worse and that sounds like a good place to tie up this uh, part of the conversation um, hopefully everybody gets that we're trying to be pretty balanced and you know overall fairly optimistic about the show and about what's gone on in season 10, 11. You know, we wouldn't be here every week talking about this if we did not enjoy the show. So um, mm -hmm. I hope that everybody does get that. Yes, we've criticized things and we've pointed out things that have frustrated us or just plain haven't made sense. Um, but we tried to view things from all perspectives and try to be fair and balanced um, throughout it all. If that's not what you're here for, if you want um, just to have somebody ranting and hating on the show, um, well, here's 60 seconds of Garrett doing just that, and then we'll be right back. That is bullshit! It's like fucking math! 1 plus 1 equals 2, and no matter how much you like the idea of 1 plus 2 equals 10, it doesn't suck our dick! Oh god damn! You cannot fuck with the structure of the English language and writing that way. It just, it doesn't make you grow it differently from seasons one through nine. If it's now based on some stupid magic that he can come up with whatever, fine. But that's not the way it started. Don't give me the shit that is called the X-Files when you're writing something different. If you're writing a goddamn unicorn and they're gonna explore that, then fine. But it's not been built up in that. You don't go exploring aliens and dudes that can crawl through goddamn vents. You're fucking unicorn. It doesn't work. God damn it. Fuck this shit. And we're back. Okay, so, um... We're going to end this podcast on a positive note because this might be the last time that we ever do this. Um, it looks likely, as you said, that it probably will be uh, the last time that we ever do this. So I wanted to look back on some of the classic episodes from the show. Um, you know, these the you know this is the reason that we're doing this because we fell in love with the show growing up, and you know that goes back to those classic episodes. So um, I'm going to take each of you and turn. I have five quick fire questions. Uh, just asking you for some of your favorite episodes from the history of the show. Um, so that'll just put some happy thoughts in all of our heads and maybe it'll give everybody, uh, <laughs> you know, the sort of chance to go think, okay, yeah, I want to go back and revisit some of these earlier episodes. And uh, guess what? We have podcasts on all of them already there. So, <laughs> uh, so who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go. Okay. First episode um, of, the sh of the show that you saw. Unrequited. And it's a Chris episode, and I I thought it was a movie, and ever since it's still one of my favorites. Every time I see a playing card, I remember the episode. So, yeah. Favorite mythology episode. I, I would have to say it's the it's the two fathers one stone couple episodes. That's my favorite. Favorite scary episode. Um, 
favorite scary episode. I would have a. It has to be Learner Bets, to be honest. It's just disgusting. For I hate tubs, and every time that I see <laughs> Learner Bets coming out of that iodine tub, it's just like, oh, it's so old, and my phobias come together, and cancer, and him, and just like, no, yeah, no, no, I can't handle it. Favorite comedy episode? Uh, actually, uh, it's hard because I'd really like bad blood, but I actually enjoy improbable a whole lot. I think the whole thing with the music that they chose and just mm-hmm. Scully being kind of like dusty with Monica and like it, it, the whole banter between them too. I really like that episode. And what's your favorite episode? Um, favorite Mulder Scully relationship episode? Oh, man. It doesn't have to be one that deals with the ep- deals with the relationship, but favorite episode for those moments that it has. Um, that's really hard. Um, I think I think Milagro is one of my favorite ones in that sense because Mulder's kind of like doubting her intentions, and she's like trying to like. Uh, but also, nothing lasts forever. It's always going to be my favorite in that sense of them talking. And yeah, Excellent. I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, Kava, do you want to go next? Sure. Okay. First episode you saw? Dreamland. And the rest was history. Thanks, <laughs> <Frank>. <laughs> favorite mythology episode? Um, I like anything to do with the black oil, but I think my favorite arc is the biogenesis six extinction arc mm-hmm. because it's so huge for Scully because she's really off solving the mystery and it's just pushing her boundaries of, of what she knows. And she's examining this alien spacecraft and translating the, and it, it challenges her faith. It challenges what she believes. Um, yeah, it's, and she gets to bash this fuck boy scientist in the face with a chair. So like, Hey, it's everything you want. In the episode. <laughs> Favorite scary episode. Um, oh man, I like Squeeze just because it's super creepy right off the bat and thinking of somebody being able to sneak into your house that way, um, is really creepy. I love that one. And also Beyond the Sea because it's, it's scary as hell and it deals with death and these looming specters and it's just creepy as fuck, but realistic almost in a way. Um, but then you also get to see you know, a real early glimpse of the powerhouse Jillian Anderson's going to be. So it's, it creeps me out and it's awesome. So. Yeah. Favorite comedy episode. I think I'm going to go with just sweat. Cause okay. it just, I, I'm a big Scully, a Scullyist. So her, seeing her with that invisible body and then drinking beer at the end. Yeah. I'm, I'm for that one. <laughs> and your favorite Mulder Scully relationship episode. Um, Oh boy. That's a hard one, too. Um, I like Nothing Lasts Forever for a lot of reasons, but that one's also really fresh. Um, I, and I also, I'm going to throw this out there, I like Never Again, because it's, yeah. it's not a traditional Mulder-Scully relationship episode, but that they're working through something and, and kind of looking at that partnership in a different light and what they both mean to each other. Um, I like that, too. But maybe as far as, like, pure ship... Um, the final moments of Amorfati 
in the uh, um, my constant, my touchstone. Yeah, that's that's right up there. So good. When you said for pure ship, I thought you were going to say triangle. Then. (laughs) 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 Okay, Roy, you're up. First episode you saw. I saw like the last three minutes of Apocrypha, and I've probably butchered the same how you're supposed to say that, but like Krychek vomiting the black oil scarred me as a child for quite a long time. <laughs> yeah. It was like I, every time I heard the theme, like I got freaked out from that point on. <laughs> now uh, it's my ringtone, so So favorite mythology episode. Uh probably paperclip. I just I love everything about that episode. It's so good. I mean, the arc in general is good, but Paperclip especially. Favorite scary episode? Uh, I'm usually like most creeped out by evil children, so probably like <laughs> Eve. <laughs> they're they're really creepy when they're evil, <laughs> but in general sometimes too. So children. Anyway. Uh, favorite comedy episode? Probably Bad Blood. I haven't like ranked them, but probably Bad Blood. It's so good. And favorite Mulder Scully relationship episode? Oh, I'm going to cheat and I'm going to say Fight the Future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. You that do know one. how many seconds the kiss goes on for, so. <laughs> how many seconds they look into each other's eyes. Is that David? what it was? Gosh. Oh, yeah, there was no kiss. Timed in triple kit with a oh, we, we could time yeah. the, the two outtake kisses if you really want. Like, okay. <laughs> further study on that. I just remember there's a B in that scene. That's all I remember. <laughs> I could do the whole scene for you, like both characters. I think, but you, I'll I think you have. I think you have. You probably have. <laughs> Jasmine and I probably have. Okay, I'm going to go through my answers to these questions real quick, and then I have a trivia quiz for you all. So. Oh, boy. Uh, first episode I saw, I think, was Shapes, um, which is a pretty classic sort of werewolf uh, story, but it introduced me to Mulder and Scully, and from then on I was hooked. And I think they were showing a bunch of reruns right before they went into season four. So. I got like a taster of some just random episodes and then got caught up on the VHSs and I was there for season four and yes, been there ever since. Favorite mythology episode, Tunguska, um, because I was a season four file coming in and um, I just love Alex Krychek, my favorite character from the show. And that's just such a great two-parter with him in there. Um, Favorite scary episode, I'm going to go with Grotesque, season three. The oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Gargoyle one. Just yeah. a completely different episode than we've had. Um, well, Profile there's, a, there's a couple of episodes kind of like it, but it just is a different one from most, I'll say. Um, favorite comedy episode has got to be Bad Blood. Just the way that Vince writes the characters and understands them. And the story and the comedy comes out of the characters. Um, it'll always just be an easy one to throw on when you just want a, a funny X-Files to watch. And uh, my favorite Mulder Scully relationship episode, I think, has got to be Detour. Because Jeremiah was a bullfrog, and if it rains, sleeping bags, and I don't want to wrestle. So, um, obviously we got a lot of love for some of the classic episodes from the show, but how well do we remember the details? Oh, boy. Oh, Avi. <laughs> so... Um, back when we started this podcast, we did a little quiz at the end of each episode. We haven't done that at all through season 11. So we're bringing it back for this one. Um, I have five questions for each of you, uh, plus a tiebreaker, if, should we need it. So uh, here's the deal. You each have five questions. 
one question is going to be from season 11, one question is going to be from season 10, and then you have three questions based on classic episodes. Okay. So this this is where you All can right. prove your credentials. Okay. <laughs> oh, balls. I did not study for this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. You shouldn't have to, right? You you're from X Files yeah. News. You know all of this stuff. <laughs> oh, boy. So, Avi, you're up first. Okay. In this, according to Langley, which football team always loses in Virtual Heaven? Uh, the New England Patriots? Correct. Yeah. In Mulder and Scully Meet the Weir Monster, what is the human name of the Weir Monster? Ah. Uh. Um, no. No, I can't remember right now. It was Guy Man. Guy Man. Uh, <laughs> in, right. in Daemonicus, what game were the murdered couple playing at the beginning of the episode? Scrabble! Correct. In Fearful Symmetry, what is the name of the gorilla who can speak sign language? Molly? It's Sophie. No. Sophie, yeah. And in Invocation, what song repeats throughout the episode? Oh, the Little Horses? Correct. You yeah. scored three. Not too bad. Yes. <laughs> Hell of a lot better than when we started this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have a bad record. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kava, you're next. Okay. Um, in plus one, what is the name of the samurai sword loving lawyer? Oh, Dean. Oh, what the hell? I just watched this last night. Why can't I remember? <sighs> Dean Caldwell? Dean Cavalier. Ooh. I'll give you half a point. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and uh, in Home Again, what song is played so memorably? Oh, Downtown. Correct. In Conduit, where is Ruby's family camping when she is abducted at the beginning of the episode? Lake Okaboji. Oka what? Okaboji. <laughs> <laughs> in Unrue, what creatures does Jerry believe are inside Scully's head? Oh, howlers. Correct. Last question. In Triangle, where does Kirsch's doppelganger want to take the ship? Jamaica! <laughs> Four and a half. Well done. Okay, Rai. I think Kava, I think Kava's going to take it. <laughs> you got to get a perfect score now. In Familiar, what is the name of the Teletubbies ripoff? Oh, I've only seen it once. I have no idea. <laughs> the answer's Bibble Tiggles. Uh, In Founder's Mutation, how did Dr. Sanjay kill himself? Um, he stuck it. Was it a screwdriver into his ear? It was a letter or something. Opener. Like that? Oh, okay. Well, pretty similar. Sharp instrument into the ear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to be. You know, we're files. So you have to get this absolutely correct. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that's well, half a point. I've been busy becoming a doctor, David. Okay. Busy becoming a doctor. <laughs> okay. So the medical explanation will accept that for half a point. But that's fine. Okay, um, in Clyde Bruckman's final repose, what musician does Clyde say he was a big fan of? Um, the Big Bopper? Correct. Or is, yeah. That's right. 
Um, in Hungary, what is the name of the fast food restaurant? Um, hmm. I don't remember something. <laughs> Burgers? I know, I know. <laughs> Go on, Kate. It's Lucky Boy. It okay. was Lucky Boy Burgers. And then finally, um, in Postmodern Prometheus, what share song does the great Mutato dance to when we first meet him? Oh, that's not even fair. That's why in Memphis. <laughs> wait, wait, in the beginning? In the wait, beginning. Wait. In the beginning. Oh, in the beginning. Um, I, don't, I, don't know. I, I started a rewatch five years ago, and I only made it to, like, season three. So, <laughs> it's been wait, a while. Well, what's this question? I think... Sun ain't gonna shine anymore. Correct. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hey, I only know one share song, and it's Lucky and Memphis. I bought so. a share CD right after I first saw that episode that has the majority of those songs on it, but my dad kept stealing it from me, so I ended up having to buy him his own for Father's Day that year, which is still very strange to me, but it is what it is. See, that's what happened to me with Improbable. I fell in love with all that music in that in that episode. I ended up downloading all these tracks that were like Italian-American songwriters from the 50s and 60s. And at some point, my dad came over and said, what the crap is wrong with you? And why are you listening to this music? <laughs> <laughs> um, especially because in, in, there's a practice in Latin American where like they take this English-speaking songs and they make Spanish versions of the same songs. And he kept hearing these songs that were so familiar to him, but he didn't understand that they, those came first. So we kept having this fight where I kept telling him, no, 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 this is the original, and that's the copy. And even to this day, he doesn't believe me. So, yeah, fun times. Well, congratulations, Kaver. You were the winner there <laughs> by a fairly sizable margin. So, <laughs> <laughs> See, that's because... I have way more time on my hands than these two. So, you know, like Roy's off studying to be a doctor and Avi never sleeps. So it's it's me with my fanfic on slow nights. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to rewatch because I feel so bad, like not remembering stuff. So my in theory tentative plan is to rewatch this summer. But I don't know what that, that's going to happen. I have a handful of classic episodes I want to go back and rewatch. But I think I might start with Fight the Future just because it's been a while. And that's probably yeah. the thing i've watched more than anything so it's time to revisit when x-files was good again <laughs> because as share would say we can't turn back time <laughs> oh. but they'll, they'll always be there for you we can we can always remember how it all was and it yeah. it does remember how it all it was. stands up it really does so that episode is so freaking perfect man I don't know. And this is why we, like, we, I mean, this is why it's so hard saying, like, having the revival wasn't worth it, because then you got episodes like that, and it's just like, yeah, I can't live without that. I need, I need to have that episode, so. Yeah. And certainly, like, aside from the show part, like, think of all, like, the interactions with, like, X-Files fans, like, we've all had, only because the show has come back. Like, I wouldn't obviously know any of you <laughs> right? if it hadn't have come back where I want to believe. And then, you know, if there weren't a campaign to bring it back and then it came back, you know, not, we wouldn't have podcasted all those times, David. We yeah. wouldn't have. And you've just done that whole segue for me. So <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> um, 
Yes, yeah, so, um, this is probably going to be our last podcast, and it's kind of bittersweet because I'm glad I don't have to prepare these every week and <laughs> edit these every week. Um, but at the same time, I'm gonna I'm gonna really miss uh, talking to you guys, and uh, it has been so great uh, getting to know all of you um, from the moment we decided to start doing this podcast when um, season ten was announced as it was happening. Um, you guys, you know, accepted my crazy idea to do this podcast and go through the entire history of the show, and then we would talk about the new episodes, and then we brought it back when season 11 happened, um, and it, it's just been such a joy just to talk about this show that I love with these people that love it too, and to get to know, um, you, some of you better than others, um, over the last few years, um, has been a great experience, so, um, Thank you, Chris, I guess, for bringing the show back because it's not just about the show. It's about everything that goes on around the show. And I think that, you know, when you look at X-Files News and the stuff that you guys have done, all the charity stuff that you've done over the years, um, all of just the fandom, bringing people together um, around this shared love, um, it's a powerful thing. And uh, I hope that... You know, I know it's too early to talk about what's going to happen next, but um, it's nice to know that um, X-Files will be out there, fans of the show will be out there uh, for each other. You know, if nothing else happens in the future, then at least to reminisce about these shows that we loved. And um, I'm glad that I've met you guys and that continue to talk about the show and be friends with you guys um, beyond the show uh, going forwards as well. And uh, thank you so much for doing this with me. And I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Definitely. It's, it's been a joy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, I think it's for wonderful. us, yeah. I mean, I think one, this endeavor that you took on, <laughs> it's something that it has been, I, I think when we got the idea from you, we're like, uh, is this going to actually come through? Like, because it seems so overwhelming to go through the entire show so i commend you for that uh and for your consistency and for all the work that you've put on it um i i also agree with you there's just like so much that we've gained from this experience that i don't think it, it's easy to put into words um but yeah just like you said even if this is the end or even if we get a season 12 I think this is a good moment to to put up a period onto this paragraph and say, yeah, everything that has happened has been totally worth it. So, thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, you know, thank you as well to everybody that's been listening to the show. Um, you know, I really hope that you have enjoyed it. Um, this is obviously a very niche podcast. <laughs> if you are, <laughs> if you do not know the show in, in as much detail as we do, then um, you know, the podcast this podcast probably isn't for you. But um, there's obviously a lot of you out there who are like-minded with us, and so um, I hope that you have really enjoyed it. Um, this is going to be the last opportunity that I have to say this in a while. Um, so if you've liked the podcast, you can support the show by making a donation. <laughs> um, in all seriousness, um, you know, make a donation or not. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the show. 
If you want to get the bonus episode that we recorded, um, it's Avi and Kaver and I. We talked about the Audible series, um, Cold Cases and Stolen Lives. Um, we've made it exclusive to people that want to make a donation. Just $5, go to xfilestalkxfiles.com and you can find the link and download that. But don't feel that you have to. I just hope that you have enjoyed listening to the show. Um, also, because it's the last opportunity I have to do this, um, I wrote a book. It's called Nightlights. It deals with aliens and other X-Files-y kind of stuff. Uh, if you want to buy it, you can go and find it on Amazon, Nightlights by David T. Harwood. So um, that is all the plugging I'm going to do. Um, I want to end it um, on another thank you. Um, to someone I haven't thanked at all um, in this last batch of episodes is to Mr. Eamon Ambrose, who wrote the song and performed the song uh, I Want to Believe, which is an X-Files fan song um, from way back when, but it's the song that we use on the intro and outro of this podcast every episode. Um, and I'm going to play it in full at the end of this episode. Uh, so thank you to him. Avi Kaver, Roy, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you for everything and wish you all the best for the future. You too, man. Yep, you too, David. Thanks for having us. And I'll leave you with the immortal words of Alex Krychek. The truth, the truth, there is no truth. These people just make it up as they go along.
Something's happening.